Well, this, this is, this is going to be fun. Um, super excited about the fact that this, this time next year, Cole, you and Addie are going to have a baby. It's going to be crazy, man. Baby's born. When, when's, when's Bash due? March the 9th. March the 9th. And you're going to name we're him. excited. Sebastian, but we're going to call him Bash. Bash. Hey, he's going to be a menace. I don't give a lot of parenting advice. In fact, hardly none. But none? No, but, well, hardly none. But I'm going to say this, and every parent in this room is probably going to back me up on this one. So Bash next year at Christmas will be nine months old, right? Yes. And you're going to be tempted to get a lot of presents. Just go, just get everybody's Amazon boxes and wrap them in different paper and let him play with the boxes because that's all he's going to play with. Am I right? Moms and dads, am I right? I'll take that. Am I right? Save me some money. Yeah, let's just pray and go home. I'll let the grandparents buy all the gifts. Do what? I'll let the grandparents buy all the gifts. That's even smart. You. Um, Yeah, I did say that. I I asked him if he wanted to be uncle or grandpa. He said grandpa. I'm on it, man. 51. I'm... 51 years. Okay, let's let's get to some questions. People have been asking questions. Let's go. Let's see what we've got. We have no idea what's popping on the screen. Here we go. I did this miss is, it. Here we go. Why would, oh, wow. Why was Lucifer only given one chance to fail and then cast out of heaven, but we get to fail every day and still get shown God's love and are welcome into heaven? It's a great question. It is, Cole. I would love to hear your answer. So think about this. There's three named angels in the Bible. Three named. By the way, all angels in the Bible are men. There are no female angels. So it, I just destroyed some of your precious moments. Um, but the, they're, they're all men. There's, there's Michael, and there's Gabriel, and then there's Lucifer. Now, theologically, I have... I have what I think is the answer to this question. Now, godly people, there are godly people on both sides of the debate that would disagree with, basically, Satan can't get saved. Um, but when Lucifer was created, many scholars and theologians believe he was the worship leader in heaven. So his world and our world are very different. He got to see God in ways that we've never seen God. Or maybe we've got a glimpse of it from time to time. And he got to see the the worship and the majesty and the awesomeness of heaven, which most of us have have never even, the Bible says that our minds can't even comprehend what that's like. So the angels' choices and our choices are vastly different simply because of what they were exposed to and what we're exposed to. So when he chose, he, he didn't just choose to say no to salvation. He tried to rebel and become God. He tried to overthrow God in heaven. It didn't go well. But he, when he was thrown down to earth, if you think about it, the root of every single sin that all of us commit is essentially us trying to be God in our own lives or over some other people. So the reason, um, the, the, the reason that Lucifer doesn't get another chance is because he was in another place at another time, saw way more than we could see, was exposed to way more than we were exposed. So it's not apples to apples or oranges to oranges. I'm about to preach. Are you ready for this? I'm, yeah. I got two things I want to say. One, this is the short part, is if I, let's say I came to your house and I wanted to take over. I'm, I'm not your kid. So you would probably th- maybe throw me out and never invite me back. 
there's a difference between me and, and Karis for you. She could screw right. up so bad, and you will always love her and take her back. It's like the prodigal son. She's your kid. I'm not. You know what I mean? And I, that's kind of how I, I think about this one. But when I think about this story, what, hap- what happened here is, is Satan, uh, or Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, essentially had, he, he had pride. He said, I want to be like you, right? And because of this, him and a third of all the angels get thrown out of heaven. And, you know, I've thought about this a couple times in my life. And have you ever wondered, like, why, why did God put Satan and the demons on the same planet? Like, he should have, he, sometimes I'm like, why didn't he just put them on Mars, right? Fair question. Great question. But what happens is, as I've grown and as I've read the Bible and grown closer to Jesus, what I've realized is that God actually, he put us on the same planet as, as Lucifer and, and the demons, not as a punishment to us, but as a punishment to him. Because what, what Satan originally wanted was to be like God. And so what God did was he actually created billions of people that had the very thing that Satan wanted. The image, people in the image of God, which is exactly what Satan wanted in the first place. So we are actually part of his sentence, which is crazy is he has to walk around on this earth looking at billions of people that are created in the image of God, the very thing he wanted. That's really good. That was awesome. Mic drop right there. I don't know if that answers that question, but I thought it was pretty cool. It doesn't matter. It sounded good. It sounded great. I love it. All right, great. Next question. When will you have counselors for second chance students? Counselors, meaning... Like professional therapists, what do you think? Your students, man. Your here's decision right now. We're making a decision. You are our new professional counselor. Congrats, Pastor Perry. <laughs> we have just shipwrecked this student ministry. Um, we, you know, here's the beautiful thing about the way our church operates. We have volunteers on that show up on Wednesday night that that just listen to the students and are willing to talk about anything. We have a care team here every Sunday that is wide open to, to, to talk to students or adults about anything. So just because somebody doesn't have the title counselor doesn't mean they can't receive counsel from the amazing volunteers that we have serving in our ministry here at Second Chance. Yeah, yeah, our team, I, I absolutely love our team on Wednesday nights. Um, it's growing. I know a lot of people have inquired about that in the past. Um, as we grow, we will reach out and contact people f- as, as our student ministry grows. Honestly, if we accepted every single person as a volunteer, we'd probably have more leaders than students like at one this per, point. One, one to one ratio. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. All right, next question. If your child was LGBTQ, would you attend their wedding? Would you perform it? You answered a version of this question earlier today, I, but I, this one includes I did, it's and your I, child. I did, and somebody got my email, and it wasn't good enough for them, so... Um, yeah, okay, well, here's the deal. If my child was LGBTQ, hashtag, carrot, plus, minus, divided sign, I mean, I feel like we're losing letters of the alphabet every day. I'm not meaning, I'm just saying, as I just like, okay, please add something else. Um, I would attend the wedding. I would not officiate the wedding. And the, the question that was asked of me today was well if you attend a wedding aren't you aren't you saying that you affirm what's going on no i attend a wedding because i'm friends with the person getting married period i'm going to value the relationship over being right i can be right and lose a relationship but as far as officiating 
a wedding between a same-sex couple, um, according to my personal convictions and my best interpretation of the scriptures as a minister of the gospel, I do not feel that is something that the scriptures allows me to do. Therefore, I would not violate my conscience in order to be politically correct. So I would not officiate one, but I would attend one if, if the person or the people were friends of mine. I would have no problem with that. And I know some people, because I got it in the email today, have a problem with that, and that's fine. You can isolate yourself from the rest of the world. and Because what happens when you double down on being right is eventually you have no friends. Period. I like that. Is it nothing to add? I, I, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Next question. I don't have a kid yet. My wife is against me having a motorcycle. Okay, there we go. We're getting drug into the marriage thing. How do I help her? Okay, you just want the pastor to tell you that you can get a motorcycle. <laughs> get past the fear of death. I believe God knows um, when it's our time to go. Yeah, but you don't have to help him. Um, and I want to live to the fullest without her feeling that way. Do you know what I honestly tell guys before they get married? I say two things. If you, before you get married, get a gun and get a motorcycle. Because once you're married, the odds of those things happening goes way down. I'm personally not allowed to have a motorcycle myself. We're working on that, though. We're praying for Addy. Um, yeah, this yeah, was that your, que that's your question? <laughs> that's your question. Yeah, come on. Get her, man. Um, here, this, is what I this is what I would tell you. Honestly, this is what I would say. It's not just because my wife's in the room. This is what I would tell you. If it causes that many problems, you don't need it. It's not worth it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I would love a motorcycle, but, like, Shannon, can, do you want me to have to see? She, no, it's a no. So it's not worth it. Very serious. It's not worth, I, I could buy my motorcycle and prove a point and, uh, and then sleep on the couch. I prefer Shannon over a motorcycle any day of the week. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I just, I, I think it's so, I think there's a lot of people that are married that they, they want to choose what I ultimately want over my spouse and sorry, dude, whoever this was that, but I, I just think that at the end of the day, if you want a really solid, solid marriage, it's I'm going to put her, I'm going to put him before myself over and over mutually. I've said this all day. It's like, I think the best marriages are when two people are mutually submitted to each other. They're, they're mutually choosing humility. I'm going to think of the, my spouse before myself, that sort of thing. And, and I think a, a lot of these questions today that, that we've read, they have a deeper question. And I think the deeper question here is, am I ultimately going to choose what my spouse wants or what I want? That's good. All right. Thank Let's you. Keep going. This is great. These are great. Is being in a polyamorous relationship a sin? What is that? Like Lots multiple of partners? Israel's kings had multiple wives. <laughs> they also had multiple mother-in-laws. <laughs> Poly polyamorous. That means like, is that you, multiple wives yeah. or like multiple? Basically, why can't I have a lot of wives? Is being in a polyamorous relationship a sin? I'm going to say yeah. I, I'm going to say yeah, yeah, yes, it is. So here's the deal. Just because somebody did it in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean we should do it today. There's all kinds of Old Testament laws and regulations about marriage and concubines and all that stuff. I, I, I'm just 
I would just ask the question, and, and it's a sincere question, if you really love one person and you love them to the fullest extent, how do you have time or the energy or the space to put that kind of love into another romantic relationship? That would be, I mean, is it a sin? Yeah, don't, don't have two wives. That, no, stop it. Some of these I wonder, like, if people are actually, like, they want to know for themselves or if they're just trying to, like, Asking stump for us. a friend. Yeah, 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 We're yeah, going to do yeah. a series called that. Asking for a friend. <laughs> okay, next question. My husband is very belittling to me. Nothing I do ever seems to be good enough for him. This is causing issues with our marriage as well as my mental health. What can I do besides praying for him? Well, we get a lot of marriage questions in this one. We have. That's tough, man. So... Let, let me just say this. Let me just say, that, so there's, there's truth that's hard to handle. And sometimes Shannon has shared truth with me that I didn't like in the moment. And in that moment, I felt belittled. But at the end of the day, I know that's not her heart. So, so for me, I have to circle back around. And then there's truly belittling. Um, and then there's mental abuse. And mental abuse is literally speaking down to you, yelling at you, screaming at you. And I, I would say you've got to, you got to notify somebody. You've got to ask for help. You, you, are, you are not called to stay in a relationship where you're always yelled at, abused, talked down to, even, even if it gets physical. That's something that, that needs help immediately. And, and so I would tell you, you need to ask for help or make somebody else aware of the situation who can actually step in and help out. So if, it's, if it really is, and I, I'm not demeaning the question, I'm just saying as a pastor, I've received questions like this and they're not getting belittled and some, they, they say they're getting belittled and it's way more. Yeah, I just, it just, and I know this isn't really the question, but just to speak to like from the guy's perspective, like if, 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 if I'm making if i'm belittling my wife or just anybody with a spouse if if you on a regular basis are making your spouse feel smaller i i truly believe you're actually the small one like if you if you have to put someone down to make yourself feel big man you you don't i feel bad for you like that sucks and and i i don't i don't know what the situation is exactly but man i pray for that person and i i it's so hard for me to know what a woman should do in this situation because, man, I, and not to, like, brag or anything, I just would never put my wife in this situation because what a hateful thing to do. I, it's sad to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Next question. Wow. People have told me God gives his strongest battles to ones that handle it, but I'm only 16 years old, struggling with trauma from the past, and recently got in a bad car wreck that ended with, with a death. How can I continue to have faith and keep going every day without blaming myself? Yeah, I, so I, I have a really, really, really good friend in Indiana. He's probably one of my best friends ever. He's a, he's a youth pastor as well. And this, this last week, we were, we were on FaceTime together. And, and we were wrestling with the question is, like, what's the first step somebody has to go through in order to be, like, transformed by God? Like, to, to become the person that God wants them to be. And we both kind of agreed that the, f the very first step is that I have to get to the place where I believe that God is good. 
because you'll have, you'll have a lot of people that inherently, like, they believe in Jesus, they, they, they've given their lives to him, but they have thoughts like, why did God take this away from me? Or why did God do this in my life? Or why did, why did God lead me here to this place? And I, I just think that that's the wrong question, because a lot of times I think, well, all the time I think, God actually, when we hurt, God hurts worse for us. When we lose, God hurts. God grieves even even harder than we are, we do, and so I like again back to that kind of foundational question I'm seeing in here is like I wonder I would ask you like do you truly with all your heart believe that God is is really good and that He wants good things for you and that He ultimately He doesn't want you to go through painful situations tough situations but through those things He uses them for good and I, it's it's really easy to sit up here and say like you know God's the good guy here. And, and it's hard to go through the situation, but I, I promise you, and I, I've seen it thousands of times in my life, where God takes a situation that's done, ultimately, I think, by the enemy, and makes it something in, incredible. Does that answer that, you think? Yeah, I would, I would also say trauma is real serious. And to the person that asks this question, man, my heart goes out to you. Um, I know what it's like to struggle with trauma, but... What Cole said about God being good, listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a couple things. And, I, and some of this is on repeat, but just hear me out. I was molested when I was a kid, and God is good. I was abused as a child. God is good. My mother died when I was 11 years old, and God is good. I was homeless after my father was arrested for selling drugs, and God is good. That everything that's happened in my life that's been bad, it's, it's ultimately been used for the good. I, don't, I didn't see it at the time, and we can't see it at the time, but that's one of the reasons we're not God. Ultimately, I just got to try. If he, can, if he can turn a blood-stained cross into an empty tomb, he can do that for our lives as well. So thank you for having the courage to text this in. And I'm going to tell you that God's going to, God's going to turn your trauma into triumph if you'll just keep focusing on him. So. It's good, man. Next question. That's good. <laughs> Do you want me to answer this one? I know. I think I got this one. <laughs> yes. Tell them about what we're doing, you know? We're huh? going to tell them what we're going to do, my kid, your kid. Oh, yeah. Shannon and I are, ho like, they have a boy. We have a girl. We're just going to arrange marriage. We can make it a thing. I mean, they will know. Yes, we're having, we're planning on having um, a baby. We're really excited about it. We, uh, we hopefully, hopefully by the, I just, can I tell them, hopefully by this time next year, she'll be pregnant. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's awesome, man. It, it is. Yeah. I'm pumped for you. I am so excited. Amen. Next question. <laughs> what does Jesus say about consent within a marriage? Do the verses about our bodies belonging to each other and not depriving each other really mean a wife can never say no to sex with her husband? Dear God, this is this marriage ma night. This is a marriage conference, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you Omega? I'm going to go back to my, my mutually submissive thing. If anybody in a relationship is, 
is taking on the role of like, you know, we joke like about who wears the pants and stuff. But I, I, I think if anybody is taking on the role of like, I'm the boss, you listen to me, I, I don't think that's mutual submission. And specifically with, with set, like this is, this is a great thing. And I'll be honest with you, Addie and I, we did this. This is just a really simple thing that married couples can do is you, you ha- sit down, you have the conversation. How many times a week do you expect to have sex? You know, her answer is probably, you know, maybe two, three. My answer is two, three a day, you know? And so, and so what, what, what we did is we, we kind of found a number in the middle, and that's kind of our expectation. And so there's never no, like, you know, I'm going to withhold from you or I'm going to make you or, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, hey, we both, this is what we want. We're going to meet in the middle, and that's what we're going to do. And that was a really practical way for us not to get in the middle of those arguments of, like, lay down, you know? No. Like, what? I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> Am I r- Sorry, that's the question. Lay down? Really? This is the last question, man. I can't do this. I, uh, it was interesting. I saw somebody speak on this recently, and her, this was her comment. She said, she said, I wrestled with this for the longest time, and, and she said, and, and she, she said, I came to this conclusion. You know what? If 20 minutes makes my husband feel better, it's 20 minutes. And I thought, 20 minutes? You're giving him way too much credit. But anyway, that's a different thing for a different – I this is – I don't get it. This is uh, – I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Filter, 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 filter. Uh, so th- this, is a, this, is a, this is a more intense question. This is a, this is a more intense question than it, it, it can't be answered on the surface. Um, it, 1 Corinthians 7 says our bodies belong to each other, but, but I, would, I would say it, it's, you, you got to dig into the details and say, all right, well, what's, re- what's really going on that you don't want to connect in this sort of way? It's a deeper question. Other, it's, it's, it goes way beyond sex. Next question. It's good, man. Are all psychics bad? If you're psychic, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Everything I see about the psychic world in the scriptures, it says to stay away from it. So if God, who is good and wants nothing but good for us, tells us to stay away from something, there's a reason behind it. Now, before I came, became a Christian, I dabbled a little bit in that world. And I'm just telling you, it, when I tell you it's demonic, you know, I'm a white witch. I'm a good witch. Eh, you're a witch. Um, that's not good. I'm just everything I've seen in the scriptures, the totality of scriptures say, stay away from this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I immediately think of like, you know, Acts chapter 16, Paul cast the demon out of the the psychic woman, you know. That's one of the funniest stories, though. I love that Because she story, followed man. him around. These men are servants of the Most, Most High God. God. And on the third day. I'm like, I'd have done it on the first day. Annoying, man. I, I mean, like uh, Saul going to see Samuel from the dead. Like all those sorts of things. Like every story. I'm just agreeing with you. Like every one of those stories is essentially condemned. Like well, they're doing the wrong thing. And, and so you didn't ask, but I'll go ahead and tell you. Anytime you go see a psychic and they tell you something true about your past, that shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you because demons know your past. 
the thing that they can't get right is the future because demons don't know the future. Woo. So always remember that. Oh, they told me what I did when I was 12. Big deal. The whole demonic realm knows what you did when you were 12. They don't know what you're going to do next week. So just something to keep in mind. Next question. I know who asked this one. Do you really? He stands right there. <laughs> Realistically, how long till Jesus comes? I mean, all the, all the biblical prophecies are fulfilled. He could come back anytime. You'll meet somebody every once in a while goes, the temple has to rebuilt. No, it doesn't. Temple does not have to be rebuilt. It will be rebuilt at some point, but it doesn't have to be rebuilt. All the biblical signs, the last major sign to be fulfilled was, was um, Israel forming as a nation in 1948, Ezekiel 37. Go read Ezekiel 37 and put it in context of what happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. It's mind-blowing. Dry bones coming back to life. Think about this. Dry bones coming back to life. Whenever you see pictures of the Holocaust, you see those pictures of the dry bones, and today we have the state, the nation of Israel, dry bones coming back to life any, any day now. I personally hope he comes before the next presidential election because I can't. I just can't. Dude, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I don't know. Apocalyptic literature, I, it's, here's what's interesting to me. People get so wrapped up in this means this, and, and these are actually Apache helicopters, and, and, you know, like, they try to, like, interpret all this stuff. And I had a professor in college tell me one time, he's like, man, I'm so sick of that. Like, he said, ultimately, the, the, especially the book of Revelation, people get so caught up, what's the mark of the beast? Like, the whole book is essentially saying like, who, which side are you marked by? Are you going to live your life being marked by Jesus? I hope I am right now. Or are you going to live your life marked by the world? Like, that's the whole book. And I think people get so caught up in like, oh, that's the end of the world. That's the end of the world. I, like, that can be right now today. I'm going to decide I'm going to be marked by Jesus Christ right now today, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sold out for him. That's good. Yeah. Hey, here's the other thing. I just get so annoyed with that stuff, I, man. Well, stop being annoyed. It's okay. Um... I challenge you to do this. You can read through the book of Revelation. If you pick a chapter a day, you can read through it in 22, 22 days. Um, don't read it as a book of prophecy. Read it as a book of praise and worship. It's not, when I, when I, when I got my mind wrapped around, because in every chapter, people are worshiping God. The elders that have the thrones in heaven, I felt so sorry for them. They never sit in the throne. They're always bowing down at the feet of Jesus. And so it's just read it as a book of praise and worship. In 22 days, you can read the whole book if you read a chapter a day. Take you five to 10 minutes. And chapter see if it 21 will make you cry. Do what? Chapter 21 will make you cry. It will, man. I love it. Chapter 22. It's so good. Anyway, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Whoa. How do you feel about purity culture and it making many young women feel broken i'm 18 and i've lost my virginity i've been looked down upon for it while he has been pat on on the back is my brokenness based on my soul and that i've been saved or my virginity do what i'm sorry i'm just re i'm reading that last part again i mean number one first and foremost i'll start at the end of this you're you your, bro your brokenness, your salvation, whatever you want to say, is, is never based on anything 
but your decision to put your faith in Jesus. It's not based on your virginity, whether you lost it, have it, not based on your addiction, no, none of that stuff. It's, it's all based in whether or not you, you've chosen to follow Jesus in your life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer some of this. As a youth pastor, I get this question like, how far is too far? A lot. It's kind of like the question on everybody's mind. And I, I, I just hate that. I hate that question because I don't think it's, it's conducive to, like, what we're really trying to do. I think in, in any relationship, dating relationship at all, is the question should be, how can I honor her? Or how can I honor him? How can I best, because if, if, I'm, if I'm 18, 17, 14, 12, whatever, dating a girl, and I ask myself, how, how does God want me to love this girl? Having sex with her probably isn't going to be the answer to that question. You know what I mean? If my goal, and, and I'm going, it's all this relationship stuff today, man. I love it. If my goal is to get out of a relationship what I want, then, yeah, that's where people, you use people to get what you want. If, if my goal is to truly learn how to be selfless, love somebody else, I, I'm not going to use them. And I don't know if that's answering this question. I'm kind of answering the sex before marriage question in total for me. Um, but no, I don't, if you're 18, you've lost your virginity. Great news. There's hope for you just like everybody else in the world. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that up with, I can, I see brokenness in this question. I see hurt in this question. And so for whoever asked this question, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, um, I'm sorry. Obviously you, you feel you made the wrong decision and that's you talking about your brokenness and, and I, and I listen, I get that. Um, I don't, I'm not all about purity culture because the purity culture is all about what you shouldn't do. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I'm more like, Hey, what, what are the freedoms that we have when we walk with Jesus? And so this happened and there's nothing you can do about the past. But from this moment on, I can tell you, you can have an amazing future. It really can be, and, it's, and you did not disqualify yourself from having an amazing husband and an amazing marriage one day because this happened. You, and you, you get to make that choice. Is that a lifestyle you're going to continue, or do you realize that for what it is, and you're going to keep moving forward? And my prayer for you right now, in Jesus' name, is that you'll take today and just move forward and let this be in the past. All right. What we got next? What we got? Do you still have hope for our nation after the loss of the 2020 election and no red wave this past election? The outlook seems so bad with the current leadership. Where do you stand? <laughs> me? I, here's the deal with me. This is me. I'm a kingdom guy. Um, I'm a kingdom guy. I do, I think we struggle in the church today um, with this whole, if you're a Christian, you're a Republican sort of thing. I, I, I don't think Jesus is Democrat, Republican. I think he's for the kingdom of God. That's happening here. That's happening in, in China. That's happening all over the world. And while I do care a lot about our nation, I think the USA is the best freaking country in the world. Um, I, man, I'm so focused on the kingdom that I, I, I think Jesus wins. Again, back to Revelation 21. In the end, I know Jesus wins. Whether or not there's a Democrat or Republican sitting in the seat, I know in the end Jesus wins. And I'm banking my life on that. That was better than you, amen. This, this, this could be my YouTube moment because I'm going to get very raw. 
I'm going to get very real. Um, first of all, I don't want to hear the church shouldn't mix politics. That statement is usually made by a person that wants to compartmentalize your life. And Jesus is a part of your life. And he didn't die on a cross to be a part of our lives. He died on the cross to be our lives. And if Jesus isn't Lord over everything, everything we think, say, do, and feel, then he's not Lord. So he has authority in our lives when it comes to what we vote for, what we stand for, who we should vote for, who we stand for. That, that being said, the 2020 election, watching that thing, I felt like I was in the trunk of a car with a drunk driver and nobody knew where we were going. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that, that, that if Trump and Biden run against each other in 2024, I, my hope in America is, is I think we're the greatest country, but if, if those are the best two options that our entire country can come up with. Now, on, on, just as a side note, some of our best, most brilliant, awesome leaders in the country, they don't want to run for office because they're going to get canceled. They're, they got to say the right thing. I just, I just wish we had a man or a woman that could step up and actually freaking lead. Listen, I, I'm just telling you, on both sides, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the 2020 election was rigged. It doesn't matter if it was or wasn't. It's 2022. Get freaking over it. And I'm also, yeah, it's half claps because I know, I know some people have trumpositis and, and, and you're going to be mad at me. But if you're talking about the past, you have no vision for the future. And I don't have time for anything you want to tell me when it comes to the leadership of the nation. What about Joe Biden? I don't understand what he's saying, and neither do you. So I'm, I'm just saying, I just wish a man or a woman, I don't care if they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, would stand up and say, this is my vision for the future. This is what we're going to do. And, and stop telling me how bad the other person is. Tell me what you're going to do. Tell me how it's going to improve our life. And by the way, stop. Anyway, that's, I'll, I'll stop right there. I'll stop. I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there. You could have kept going. I, for all night. There we go. Next question. Next question. The suicide rate for young transgender people who have no support is huge. Is it wrong to just call them what they want to be called to offer support? Now, you're going to get different answers on this question. Yeah. You're going to get different answers on this question. Um, this is where I stand, and I am full of grace, and I am full of mercy. But to look at someone and tell them what they want to hear rather than telling them the truth is not love. The, trans, the suicide among transgender, I, I've seen the statistics, but if you really want to talk about an increased suicide rate, go look up the statistics for the, for the kids that transition. They're so much higher because they were told if you just do this, you'll be happy. And they do this and it doesn't make them happy. I'm very willing to have conversations about the transgender thing. I know it's a serious subject. I want to enter into those conversations full of grace and full of truth, but I cannot in good conscience call you what you want to be called if that's not who you are 
just to make you feel better. The, the reason that the suicide rate is so high is because of something, it's a, it's a legitimate condition called gender dysphoria. And when someone is experiencing that, they need help, they need someone to guide them, they need someone to walk them through the, the truth in a godly way. But at the end of the day, support. If I had a friend that was an alcoholic, would buying him a six-pack be support or would it be cruel? So we deal with this a lot, actually. Right. It's actually very common. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The level to which I will have this conversation with an individual depends on the, the level of the relationship that I have with them. If I meet somebody in a store and they say, hey, I used to be a guy, now I'm a girl. Listen, I'm just going to... I'm just going to call them what they want to be called because I don't know them. They don't know me. Like, if I know you, though, and, we, and you trust me, I, I'm, I have a really hard time, if, and I'm talking like we have a good relationship. I have a hard time with you calling yourself something that God did not create you to be in any capacity. Again, like, we, we've talked about this so many times. We hate how in AA, hey, I'm cool, I'm an alcoholic. None of you have ever been AA. <laughs> Um, cause it's just not freaking, it's not true. That's no. not, that is not who I am. And, and I think you would disservice me by, by calling me an alcoholic because it's at the end of the day, it's not who I am. I'm a, ch- I'm a child of God. So if you come to me and it, let's say it's my son in the future, I'll, that, that I'll make it really personal to me. And he comes, he says, cool. I think I'm a girl. I'm going to say, dude, I, I love you so much. You're 13 metaphorically, you're 13, you, you are going through so much right now. I, I, I get that being young is confusing. Let's hold off on identifying a sex for you when you're so young. <laughs> and I, I, I think that that is the conversation that more so needs to be had. I think us as Christians a lot of times, I think we're so quick to say, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. When in reality, I think truth is packaged so well in love and gentleness and, and in relationship. And I think that there's so much nuance to how we go about stuff like this as people that, that are followers of Jesus. Do I think we should be soft on it? No. Do I think we should be loving about it? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. All right. Next one. After this one, we'll do three more. That'll be it. Three more. Is it considered premarital sex if you don't get married or never plan to get married? Yes. Premarital sex. Not married. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, three more. So, so three more. There we go. There we go. How do you encourage a new Christian who struggles with their faith and who doesn't feel worthy of love? I'm guessing this is because um, something in your past. Uh something in your past and and so i would just tell you i i get this i get this question this is my world i i struggle with it i i have no problem believing that god loves anybody in this room but god loves me i wrestle with that one and the reason i wrestle with that one is because i know the parts of me that you can't even find on google so i i understand my life better than anyone um the 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 way to understand the way to the way to what I would say to encourage you 
is God's love is not based on your past, and God's love is not based on your feelings. God's love is based on a man named Jesus who died on a cross to pay for our sins. That's how we can know God loves us. All we got to do is look at a cross and understand that Jesus paid that price. That's, that's what I would say to encourage you as somebody who gets this. Yeah, and I'd even add just like, for me, the, I'm the exact same way, man. For me, the times in, in life where I've really, really struggled with like, man, I, I don't know if I really believe that God loves me. It's the times in my life where I continue, not just like my past, but I keep doing things that I don't want to do. Like, man, like what I did last night, it, you know, like situations like that where you're like, it's some people I hear, they, ha- they have their past, but now they're good. Why am I still doing this every single day? Those are the moments in my life where I've really struggled to, to, to believe that God loves me. But the truth is that he does in the middle of it. No matter like what, no matter what it is, he's, he loves us in the middle of it. And it's, it's so counterintuitive. And I get why we struggle to believe it, because it, it doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. And that's why it's so beautiful. Amen. All right, two more? Two more? What's this? Any updates on the Greenville campus? I'm trying to think. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that can't count as two more. Okay, hold on. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do two more after this one. L- let me just say this about Greenville campus. Um, I want us to reach as many people as possible. And, and our church is, is doing it. Um, over the past several weeks, this auditorium is full on Sunday mornings. And in January, I'm telling you, we're going to be packed. Um, the reason we started this service is so we could grow. This is the only opportunity for really massive growth in the church. Saying that, if we started a Greenville campus... Um, it, I'm sure we would have a lot of people show up, but we're still a baby church and we're still in the process of establishing our culture, our values and our DNA. So the answer to the question is we have a realtor. We are looking for land in Greenville. We are looking for buildings in Greenville. We've had two that looked good, but both of them fell through, fell through, which I said, I took as God saying, not right now. What we are doing right now is, and that one of the reasons we're doing um, the Christmas offering is we're building offices so we'll actually have a place like a command and control center so we can operate other campuses, not just all over the state, but the nation and the world one day. That's where I, I, I believe with all my heart we're going to get, but we'll get there when God opens the door. He hadn't opened the door, the door yet, so I've taken that as, you know what, I'm going to give you Greenville when I feel like you've got Anderson in the place it needs to be. So as a pastor, that's where all my thoughts, all my prayers, all my focus are. And I'm telling you, when we hit January, we're, we're going to hit it 100 miles an hour. So we'll get to Greenville. We'll get to Greenville. But until we get there, let's fill this place up four, four, four or five more times. All right? All right, two more, two more. I'm hoping Elon wants a, a campus is, on Mars. Yeah. My mother is verbally abusive to me a good bit. What is the first step I should take to tell her to stop in a loving Christian way? See, once again, these are, let me tell you the reason these are tough. These are tough because they're so situational. Because if you got a mother that's talking down to you, 
like verbally abusing you, telling you're a pathetic piece of whatever and, and tearing you down, that's, that's bad. And, and you, should, you should think about a way to like talk to her or maybe bring in a trusted family member or a friend. But then on the flip side, I've had, I've been doing ministry now for 30 years. My husband, my so-and-so is verbally abusing me. Did, are you verbal? No, I told him to clean the room. Okay, well, that's not verbal abuse. So once again, it's, it's so, it, it, it matters on the situation so, so much. Yeah, I just, anytime I ever see the word abuse, I, I would say it's so, it is very situational and you need to talk to somebody. No matter what kind of abuse it is, you, it's, it's something where you got to get somebody in there that can actually make a difference and, and actually maybe get you help if, if, if need be. Yeah, because verbal abuse is serious. I'm, I would never diminish it. Listen, I've been physically abused and I've been verbally abused. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I'd rather be, I'd rather be physically abused because I can get over a beating. But I, I can still remember things that were said to me when I was 11, 12 years old. And what else? A few weeks ago in a sermon, you gave the example about the number line of Christianity saying once you are saved, you can't ever go back into the negative. But I feel like I have messed up so much. Am I still really saved slash a Christian? Yes. Now, let me, let me kind of walk you through this. Um, there are godly people on both sides of this debate. But I believe, and according to my best understanding of the scriptures, scriptures teach once saved, always saved. And the illustration that was being used, for those of you that were here, you'll remember this. I had a chart on the screen, and it went from negative 10 to zero to positive 10. And, and I said, where are you in your walk with Christ? And zero meant that your sins were zeroed out, paid for. You're a brand new person. You're, you're brand new in Christ. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And the, what some people believe is you can actually lose your salvation. Now, I'm going to tell you, if, according to the scriptures, if I believed that you could lose your salvation, I would pray the salvation prayer probably 40 times a day. And this is why. How many sins did Adam and Eve have to commit before they lost their, 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 their fellowship with God? How many sins did they have to commit? One. So if one sin could do it for them, why couldn't one sin re-separate us? The reason one sin can't re-separate us is God said in the book of Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor principalities nor powers nor rulers nor no, nothing can separate us from his love. You see, Christian, like religion, religion is spelled D-O. It's all about what we do. We got to do more. We got to try harder. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. The work is done, and we receive the work that Jesus did on the cross. When the prodigal son left home, when the prodigal son left home, was his fellowship with the father affected? Yes. Was his relationship with the father affected? No. No matter how far that young man went, no matter how far it, he, no, no matter how many bad things he did, he was still his father's son. And when he came back home, his father ran to him and accepted him. He didn't say, no, you're not my son anymore. He, he said, you're my son, welcome home. He was, trying, he was trying to be a servant and the father said, no, you're not my servant, you're my son. So if you've messed up, if you've made a mistake, like we all have gone off the rails and Christ is it. So listen, the very fact that you would ask that question means that you're a Christian. Because if you weren't a Christian, you would not care. You 
can't outrun the grace of God. Period. With that in mind, would y'all stand and bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's have a closing prayer. And I just want you to ask this question. Out of all that was said tonight, what did, what did God say to you? What stood out to you the most? What, did God, what does God want to do in your life as a result of what you've heard? Jesus, I pray that right now, over these next few moments, we would just let you have your way as we make room in our hearts. Jesus, have your way. With heads bowed and eyes closed, this hasn't happened today. I've, we've done this all day, but I feel so strongly tonight as I think about the questions that we answered that there's some people in this room you're carrying a lot of hurt. You are carrying a lot of pain. And I, I don't know a lot, but this is what I do know. It's not God's will that you carry that. So if that's you and you're carrying that hurt, you're carrying that pain, just give it to him right now. Ask him, Jesus, help, help me to give this to you. Help me to surrender this. You don't have to carry that. You don't have to, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in the past. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus. And that you know that's the decision you need to make. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life and take over and be Lord. You've never done that. And if that's you, I want you to pray. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to pray and ask him to come into your life. And I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud, but like we do every week, I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud by yourself because we as a Second Chance family are going to pray it with you. So Second Chance family, let's pray this together. And if you want to receive Christ, you pray this right where you stand out loud with the rest of us. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed right now all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ to come into your life, would you do me a favor? I wanna pray for you. Would you hold up your hand and just hold it up really high so I can see it? And I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. Father, I want to thank you today, all day long that you've saved people, all day long that you've changed lives, all day long, whether in the room or online. God, you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a faithful God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and for what you're going to do. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to walk in shame. You took our shame and nailed it to the cross. We love you, Jesus. We declare this in your name. And everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you back here for Christmas services.